Good morning, wrestling fans. It's WrestleMania Saturday, and Ryland Turner here, Kyle Joseph, is joined alongside me, as always, to do our Wednesday Night Rewind for WrestleMania weekend. Kyle, are you feeling it? Can you feel it in your bones? I feel it somewhere, man. We're, we're talking about... So, um, I think we have a shout-out to give before we, before we talk about this particular show. Yes. Uh, shout out to Kyle Tyson for choosing this show for us to review. He was the winner of our Royal Rumble pool in January. Um, thanks for this. This was this was uh, this was pretty br- brutal uh, for the most part. I think there were I think there were some shining, glimmering moments. I don't know. How, how do you feel? Um, mm, nope. I, we'll talk about a couple things like moments. Sure. But whole matches, not really. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the that's the beauty of '80s wrestling is uh, you get a little bit of eh, and a little bit more. <laughs> um, we we always start these shows by talking about some little facts factoids that uh, we found out about the event. Uh, a longtime listener and friend of the show, Rob, has submitted some facts for us for wrestlemania 2 and you know what kyle i'm tired of this just being a fact segment i think it's the first official time that we call this rob's roundup all right factoids about wrestlemania 2 from rob smith um this is the only ever wrestlemania that took place on a monday (laughs) it's such a bizarre thought uh hercules hernandez was only 30 years old he looked 52 but he was 30 years old in this at this pay-per-view okay combined attendance for all three shows was just under forty-one thousand, which is amazing considering the combined attendance for both nights of wrestlemania this year it's different it's a different show man i i guess it's a different show First of the two WrestleManias held in the L.A. Memorial Sports Arena. Elvira, who was on commentator in Los Angeles, uh, was a big star at the time. Uh, what did you feel about the uh, every location had a different female commentator? How did you feel about this? Um, who? <laughs> like, I just don't want to be... I don't want to be dismissive of so like the to be fair, and this is this is just true. A lot of the commentary was pretty bad. I thought that um, I'm trying to remember the the New York commentary was uh, Vince McMahon and um, Susan St. James. Yes, yes, and like Susan was trying. She was. She was. She knew nothing about the product, though. You can tell that all of these women. That was ultimately the problem, is that she, like, I I think the best fit of the trio was the Chicago group. Yes. I think Kathy Lee Crosby did it, was perfectly fine in that group with uh, Grill Monsoon and, and, uh, who else was, Mean Gene? Yes. Yeah, it was Grill Monsoon, Mean Gene. I thought that commentary team was fine. The LA one was 
what it was. It was a mess. It was a fucking mess. But and like Vince can do a call, and like Susan St. James was clearly trying to get into it, but just couldn't. Like, just wasn't quite up on it enough to be able to like be in that big way. Um, Lee and, Marsh. Sorry, go ahead. And, and then yeah, and then LA was just yeah <laughs> something. Um, Lee Marshall, who you may remember as a WCW broadcasting name, uh, and actually a very, really big name in broadcasting in general in the the US, um, is a guy who I've seen in radio documentaries just talking about the business. So this is a guy who kind of was a journeyman in in the broadcasting industry and, and made his way to WCW. He was the uh, ring announcer for the LA show. Uh, Hogan and King Kong Bundy. The lead up was the exact same. Uh, pretty much as Hogan and Earthquake, Bundy attacked him, splashed him, broke his ribs. And you won't see this on the broadcast anymore, but Paul in the Paul Orndorff match, he looked at Mr. Fuji, made a very racial uh, gesture towards him, uh, and then flipped him off in Italian. Uh, George the Animal Steel was the only man to kick out of Savage's elbow the uh, first person to ever do it, do it, it to the, up until that point. Roddy Piper. Vince, he, Vince tried to sell it on commentary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this was a big deal. Uh, Roddy Piper and Mr. T had a terrible relationship, as well as a lot of the boys in the back did not like Mr. T because he was responsible. Um, basically, him coming onto this show cost Dr. David Schultz his big uh, opportunity and WrestleMania headlining spot with Hulk Hogan, which I didn't know. Uh, that was the original plan, but as soon as they got a hold of Mr. T, plans changed. So a lot of the boys held a lot of ill will. I don't think fairly towards Mr. T, uh, considering that he didn't book the show. This, and I've, we'll get to this once we get into once we get into it. Uh, we can. We I think it's worth talking about how celebrity laden this this show was. Yes. Uh, I asked Rob if the boxing fight was what it said, what it looked to be, which was a shoot. He said it was half and half. The shots, the shots were stiff, but Vince basically said, do not under any circumstance, do anything to Mr. T. Uh, And Mr. T to his credit uh, was taking liberties with Roddy Piper and Roddy Piper then hit him with a few stiff shots to kind of basically uh, he Brock Lesnar him. Uh, if, If this was Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman, this was his slow down moment. Um, after WrestleMania 2 Savage fought Steel twice more for the title and for Liz's managerial services Uh, then Savage feuded with Hogan for a bit after having uh, up until that point the best WrestleMania match in 10 years at WrestleMania 3 with Steamboat Andre at this time took a hiatus uh, after this show to tour Japan and film The Princess Bride but before coming back as one of the biggest uh, heels in the business for WrestleMania three, um, his health was starting to decline uh, due to his uh, hormone syndrome. After WrestleMania two, he started wearing a singlet, which was to a lot of people may just be a giant thing, but apparently it was to hide the giant back brace he had on his back, uh, basically keeping him mobile as more as mobile as possible. Yeah. Um, he was at this point starting to be pushed around airports in a wheelchair. Um, Jesse Ventura and Piper both took a few months off after this. Um, they filmed a, c- a couple of shows 
uh, talk show segments. Um, so no one really noticed their absence because they were shoot. They did shoot a bunch of stuff before they left. Um, Piper became a, a baby face when he came back for the first time and feuded with Adrian Adonis, who he says here, unbelievably actually challenged Hogan for the world title quite a few times after WrestleMania two. I just want you to wrap your head around that. Um, not one match went over 15 minutes on this show. The boxing fight was 13, which was the longest on the show. And this was the first mania on traditional pay-per-view. Jake Roberts had only appeared on WWE TV once before this, 16 days prior. So this was technically his second appearance in the WWE. Um, they made, made type Piper tape his fists closed before the gloves were put on. Usually they're taped open, but they wanted to ensure that the reach of the glove, uh, basically they just wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to fuck up Mr. T all too badly. Um, Bret Hart was supposed to have a match with Ricky Steamboat, but found out last minute that they were switching his opponent to Hernandez instead of him. Uh, terrible decision, but honestly, that match wasn't the most offensive thing on this show. I... Uh, but- Bret Hart versus Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, that would have been better. For 10 minutes would have been really good. Yes. The Battle Royale was Bruno's only WWE pay-per-view match. It had been stated by Jimmy Snuka, but not backed up by anyone else, that he was actually supposed to face Hogan at WrestleMania 2 instead of Bundy. He was gone by the summer. Um, hold on. I just, I just lost my list here. Um, he, yeah, he was gone before the summer. Uh, and he said nothing really got going. Ventura was leaving because he went on to, to Hollywood to get his SAG card. Um, and he was trying to get the wrestlers at this point to unionize, which obviously pissed Vince McMahon right off. This one right here is the biggest one. And uh, this you'll laugh at this last point. Bobby Heenan had two broken vertebrae in his neck at, the, uh, on, at this show. He was in the hospital in Tampa and was told he needed emergency surgery. The office told him that he would be fired if he missed the show. So he flew out the morning of the show, took all those bumps at the end of the match. Um, and then flew right back the next morning for emergency surgery. This was the only WrestleMania with a traditional steel cage match. There have been three other cage matches that were all hell in a cells and had the undertaker involved. And Rob's last point was that was actually a question on WrestleQuistum. Interesting. So yeah. she wants us to name the, the other three? Uh I I it's Triple H and The Undertaker, Big Boss yeah. Man and The Undertaker, and yeah. uh Shawn Michaels. No, Shawn Mike, no, 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 because they never no. did the Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. No, they never did it at WrestleMania. Um I'm trying to go through my Undertaker matches. Uh it wasn't Edge, it wasn't it wasn't Punk, it wasn't Kane. Um, did very live match. It was a casket match with with uh, Henry. Oh, Shane McMahon! Right, right, right. Shane McMahon. Who could forget? Who could forget? <laughs> everyone, everyone. Uh, Kyle, yes. Kyle. Well, we're not going to hesitate too much to get into this because both of us are running on a tight schedule. So, Kyle, let's get into the beauty that was WrestleMania two. Um, so I am going to lead us through the, um, New York and Chicago portions of this. I could not bring myself to make notes for Los Angeles. So Rylan is going to lead us through that. 
Um, got got the the eighties cheese sax solo to enter us into this <laughs> one. Uh, Vince McMahon is there, and he announces that Susan St. James is going to be on commentary with him. And then, in his most uh, Vince Screamo mode, it announces that Ray Charles will be singing "America the Beautiful." Uh, I will say this: Ray Charles did a pretty good job of what I consider to be a pretty terrible song. Uh, apologies to our American listeners. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, no disrespect to like the patriotism things. Like I don't dislike the Star Spangled Banner or anything like that. This one's just sort of a little cheesy for me. Um, too many audio problems with this. Yeah, a lot. You really couldn't hear him near throughout a lot of this song, and when you finally could hear him. He was already powered through most of this tune. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like from what I heard, like you sounding good. It was just like, and this was, it's, yeah, it's amazing how long Ray Charles' singing career was. But yeah, Ray Charles singing America the Beautiful, which is, yeah, a pretty, a, a telling way to start a very, uh, a very celebrity heavy WrestleMania. Yeah. It seemed like, and don't get me wrong. I didn't know who any of these celebrities were, but it sounded very much so like a situation where they just thought, okay, get as many people from TV, other TV as you can, other movies, whatever, get them on this show. And it's going to be huge. And eh, go on. Um, boy, boy, oh boy. So Mean Gene is there in Chicago and uh, he's talking up uh, he's talking up the show that's going to be there, talking up the Battle Royal which is going to be the big uh, event happening at that show. Roddy Piper is going to be doing a boxing match. He does a promo. It's, it's traditional Piper fare. Nothing bad. Just like the, what you'd expect out of, out of Piper. So we got our first match, which was like of the New York stuff, probably the most wrestling match we got. Yeah. Magnificent Don Morocco accompanied by the insidious Mr. Fuji. Um Jesus. Oh Mr. Fuji. He didn't even like he didn't even do anything, man. That's what's so weird about Orndorf going after him. He didn't do anything in this match. He was just standing there. Uh, take it on Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. McMahon plays audio clips of the two as they're like going into the match, which is a little strange. They they did a few weird like, okay, the match is happening, but here's how we like this is clearly the the early stages of Vince figuring out the whole way to to, to structure this. Right. Which is to do the you know the big promo package. He clearly has that idea in his head, but technology hasn't quite gotten there yet. But but yeah, they would get there. This was perfectly fine exchanges between these two. A lot of you know wrestling, the type of stuff you expect from a guy worker as good as Paul Orndorff, and and one is you know perfectly capable is don morocco we get a scoop exchange a scoop slam exchange between the two orndorf works the arm for quite a long time morocco manages to counter into a samoan drop then they brawl to the outside and oh boy it's double count out 
I guess Don Morocco couldn't lose in this town. Uh, the brawl continues to the outside, and the the fans uh, chant bullshit. Early stage bullshit chants in the eighties. Yeah, this this was only four minutes long. It was perfectly fine until the schmas, and then it was a schmas. Mr. T is cutting up a promo. He's there with uh, he's there with Smoking Joe Frazier, among other people. It, it's I don't even know if it's standard Mr. T fair. It's barely comprehensible. It, it really is at this point that like his Hall of Fame speech felt more coherent. Yes, George the Animal Steel versus Macho Man Randy Savage who is accompanied by Miss Elizabeth intercontinental championship on the line. I will say this. How long was George, the animal steal a face? I don't have that information in front of me, but like, I don't be that guy between the two of them. Randy Savage looked more like a face. Yeah. Yeah. And it was weird because they were both simultaneously, like the commentary was clearly on the side of George Steele, even though he was biting Randy Savage, you know, classic face maneuver. Right. And they were also making fun of his chest hair. This is where um, I, I really started to notice that I, at this point I was like, oh, I feel like this commentary is going to be really rough throughout the night because it just. Oh, oh and it was. Um, Macho Man runs away for probably the first half of the match. Steel catches him and bites his leg. And then Steel lifts and tosses Savage. He goes around looking for Elizabeth, which allows Savage to get the beating on him. He gets a top rope dive, which looked really rough. That got a two count. Then he hides under the Savage hides under the ring and he attacks steel but he gets bitten again he then goes to the crowd and gets some flowers and hits him with flowers but steel hits him back with flowers at this point baby face george the animal steel starts tearing open and eating the stuffing out of the turnbuckle pads classic face offense right there and he sort of throws some at at savage makes him eat it as well Savage then goes up, hits the elbow drop, which only gets a two count. The crowd really didn't sell this, but Vince was doing his best to sell this as a big deal. And then uh, Savage hits a, uh, gets a dirty pin to get the victory. Yeah. This, this was, was weird. Yeah. It's like you can tell that Savage is a star, but he's working with somebody who may have been a star like in yesteryear at this point. Um, but clearly was not to the level that he i mean he was over certainly yeah. was over and that's one thing i will say about the show i don't often go back and watch shows this old and notice the crowd quite like i did on this show because there were but moments for this crowd i would say cool. like if you put savage with orndorff instead yeah it would have been just fine i think that would have been a better match also speaking of guys who probably could have deserved like a title shot like that George Wells, who 
like, I know I'm not really up on my um, new generation era wrestlers. But, yeah, they noted that he was a, a Canadian football player, which apparently he played in the CFL in the 70s. Was it was a multi-time all-star in the CFL, so like a legitimately good player for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, did some wrestling around and had a brief time in WWF, which allowed him to be on WrestleMania too. In fact, I don't see any part of his career after on WWF after WrestleMania too. So maybe it didn't go well. I and. He was perfectly fine in the match. Um, a guy who who started out in Stampede Wrestling. No surprise, seeing as he was in the CFL at the time. Uh, George Wells is taking on Jake the Snake Roberts. Wells is a back body drop. And then Roberts uh, tries to chase after Wells around the ring. We get a head scissors by Wells, which is a nice move. He follows that up with a soup, scoop slam. It's a really nice power slam for two. And then Roberts just hits the DDT and wins. Just over. Yep. This this was like I mentioned off the top. Like this was the beginnings of Jake the Snake, and apparently they were very high on him right away because this was not much. I guess so because he only hit the one move. He really did. Yeah, it was a lot of and selling that, and then the big move. Yeah. Um, and testament then, though to to crediting WWE for protecting a finishing move in yeah. this era because i mean like you see after, this after the, the match before they threw away the elbow yeah like i suppose yeah there's a contrast but uh you just i just think that you don't see that much today you don't see a lot of fi- like it's it's turned into an era where finisher spamming is a thing at wrestlemania it's a thing in new japan it's a thing in aew it's it's all of kenny omega's offense <laughs> Yeah, kidding. except he does have the most protected finish in wrestling. True, true, true. Um, um, yeah, I like this. And then he gets the snake out and puts it on George Wells. George Wells freaks out a little bit. The commentary is, is not. Vince is crawling out of his skin. Yeah. Um, we move on to uh, Hulk Hogan is interviewed by Jesse Ventura. Uh, we got in America, a couple brothers talked about not taking shortcuts, and he mentioned the Hulksters. This is paint by numbers, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's a point that I want to touch on at the end, too. Roddy Piper versus Mr. T. <clears throat> I'm not picking notes for a boxing match. No, this is ridiculous. I will note the guest judges. This this is and this is where we get into the real weirdness. So the ring announcer is Joan Rivers. I've never seen her young. Can I just say that? I've never seen her like not looking like she's 80 years old. Yeah. She I mean this is uh she used to she used to host uh talk shows at this time. Right. Right. She was Johnny Carson's like uh replacement whenever he was off. Yes. Um, then they have the guest judges who are, uh, Daryl Dawkins, who's an NBA player, uh, is known as uh, a very, very good dunker. 
Cab Calloway, who that's a dated reference even for 1986. Uh, he's a musician. And uh, G. Gordon Liddy, who the name rings a bell, but does not really register. Uh, oh, he was, oh, geez, that's so weird. Uh, he was involved in, uh, as, as an FBI agent involved with uh, Watergate. There you go. Fair enough. Jesus. Um, wowzers. All right. Yeah, this, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was convicted of burglary and conspiracy. And then he got out and then he became a talk show guy. Okay. Okay. America. Sure. <laughs> America. Uh, this isn't even peak America. We get that later. That comes to Chicago. Um, and then, of course, the ring announcer is, or the, not the ring announcer, the, the uh, timekeeper is Herb. And I had to look this up too. Apparently, this is a Burger King did some advertisements called uh, a campaign called Where's Herb? And he's a he's a guy who had never eaten a Whopper. Okay. So that that was a big deal. Like you know, how could somebody exist who hasn't eaten a Whopper? Um, yeah. Okay. This is more exciting than the actual boxing match. Oh, I see, and I disagree. I thought the boxing fight was fun. I thought these guys really looked like they were putting an effort in. And like I said, it was there were moments where it was a tiny bit uncomfortable because I just felt like maybe they, they this- put they put an effort in, but and this is just maybe me. It's like it's like watching Rocky. Sure. There's that like careful, it's careful what you say here. <laughs> It's clear in a lot of those movies that we're not watching boxing. That we're watching the kind of boxing you put on uh, in a movie. Or on Triller. Hmm? Or on Triller. Sure. Like, this is not not an actual boxing match. Yeah, exactly. This is not an actual boxing match. Um... There are elements that these guys know how to defend, but not really. That's the biggest thing: is that defense in in a in a TV boxing match, defense goes right out the window. Anyway, uh, Piper knocks down Mister T in the first round. He knocks him down again at the end of the second round. Then Mister T knocks down Piper in the third. The fourth round, they don't even... They just slap each other with the gloves. And then Piper hits a scoop slam, which gives Mr. T the the DQ victory. This sucked. (laughs) I'm sure you disagree. I don't necessarily disagree. It was silly. It was silly, and it was... I feel like you could have got way more use out of Roddy Piper had he been in an actual wrestling match. But... I feel like at the time, this was probably big business. You know what I mean? Like having Mr. T on to even have a boxing match with Roddy Piper probably was a big attraction. I, I don't know. 
Um, I wasn't alive in 1986. So I, I couldn't tell you. And, and, and like I said, I, I don't know who half the celebrities are on the show, if that. Um, so I don't know. This, 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 this wasn't as offensive as I expected it to be. It, the end was a schmoz, as you expect it to be, because you can't have Roddy go over Mr. T. And you certainly, the boys would not be okay with Mr. T cleanly going over Roddy. So, yeah, it was pro wrestling in the 80s. That's, that's what I'm going to chop it up to. Yeah, well, except it was a boxing match. Um, importantly. Anyway, let's go to Chicago. Fabius Mula is defending a championship against Velvet McIntyre. I'm okay, really not touching on any of this. <laughs> um, Just this was the fastest paced match in the entire show. Mm-hmm. Mula hit some very quick arm drags. McIntyre hit some strikes uh, and then a scoop slam. She goes to the top rope and misses a dive, and Mula just pins her. No move, no maneuver. Just pins her. Over. What a waste. These these two are actually legitimately working at quick match, which on this show was a breath of fresh air. It really was. It really was. It's minute 25, though. Minute 25. (laughs) Why even bother? Um, These are the only women uh, to wrestle on the show. I think this was Moolah's, like, long title reign. I think this is one part of her, like, years-long reign. Yeah, this is... This is dumb. Speaking of dumb... Uh, Oh, God. Um... Freddie Blassie is accompanying Nikolai Volkov, who is taking on Corporal Kirchner, guy I've ne- never heard of. Um, who uh, America the America? Um, they called this a flag match, but it was just a normal match where there were flags in the corner. Because I was, I was really not looking forward to a flag match, but this was somehow worse. <laughs> um, Volkov takes control early. Kirch, Kirchner fires back with a couple like punches. And then Blassie tries to throw the cane to Volkov, but Kirchner catches it and hits Volkov with it and pins him. And the crowd went wild. They got their America. Yeah, yeah. This was, uh, thank God, it was two minutes. I give this four and a half Americas out of five. Um, Speaking of stupid. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, it's not enough to have a battle royal where there's um, where there's wrestlers. You have to have football players, too. Because what would what would be the point otherwise? The WWF versus NFL Battle Royale. This is the thing. Um, a number of like notable wrestlers from from this era: Pedro Morales, Tony Atlas, Danny Spivey, Big John Stud, uh, the Iron Sheik, Bruno Sammartino. 
yeah, Bruno coming back after what seemed like it seemed like, I mean, I don't know how what his relationship was with the company at this point, but like Bruno's a star of the 70s and he, yeah. I mean, he looked it at this point. He looked like he was a little bit past his prime, uh, but uh, the killer bees and yeah. and uh, the Heart Foundation, right. and of course, um, Andre the Giant, the NFL players, nobody really worth noting with the exception of William the Refrigerator Perry. Right, right. It was, and this uh, is 1986, was this? Yeah. So this is fresh off of his uh, 85 Bears championship. Which and, a little over a year before. And certainly was over with the crowd. Oh, oh, no, sorry, not a little over a year. This would have happened, like, yeah, the crowd was big into this. This would have happened a couple months ago in February. Well, they would have won that uh, that championship. So, okay. so yeah, this is a this is a big deal. A very fresh Perry. Uh, he looked in great shape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That he 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 was bumping all over the place. He was. He, he, I don't know if they did any more with him after this, but like I would have. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Especially if you're gonna circulate in the Chicago market at that time, it would have been money. Um, some big deal guest referees, uh, Hall of Famers in the NFL, Two Tall Jones and Dick Butkus were guest referees for this. And because um, we got to get a good 80s reference in, uh, the timekeeper for this was Clara Peller, who was the actress who did the Wendy's Where's the Beef commercials. Yeah. They found the beef. I, it's in this match. Yeah. They, well, that's the thing. Is they 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 mentioned that they they she found the beef. Um. Uh, yeah. So we had a match with Bret Hart in the fridge in the same in the same fight. Um. Andre just makes these giant men look tiny. Yeah. Oh yeah. This there is not much to this at the start. Like it's a battle royal where there's not like where the only person who's like the only two people who could actually work at this point were the night or the the Heart Foundation. Uh, the Killer Bees were all right. Yeah, but they I weren't guess. there long. So like no, like and that that's the thing. Like, so, like this is a particularly large guy battle royal to begin with, and then yeah. Um, there's not much to say about this, Kyle. It went under yeah. ten minutes. They they beat each other up. It was pretty much like ninety eight percent punches. They knocked a bunch of people out and tossed some people out. Big John Stud got a couple big eliminations. He got San Martino. Then he knocked out the the uh, the fridge. The crowd was not happy about this. And Perry goes to shake Stud's hand and Stud, the idiot, goes to do it and Perry pulls him out. Very Hulk Hogan uh, this point, Royal Rumble 1992. Yeah. They planted the seed. <laughs> <laughs> the last um, the last football player is Russ Francis who is knocked out at which point it's the Hart Foundation versus Andre. Um, Chris to see the Hart Foundation as like uh booked this strongly yeah the, the, i mean like at that point they are pretty much fresh into the wwf uh from yeah. from uh stampede and yes. i mean 
at this point, I think Brett was really enjoying the run he was having and, the, and, and same with Nightheart. So, I mean, they were the tag team division really was strong. So why not keep these guys as strong as possible? And like you said, the best workers in the match. And so eventually Andre does Andre things and takes them both out. He is visibly cooked at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. Like we mentioned off the top, this was near his uh, decline in health and uh, would lead towards that, unfortunately. Yes. But uh, yeah, we got, we got like, most of this was pretty uneventful and boring, but we got some decent Andre stuff at the end of it. And yeah, right guy won. We move on. The British Bulldogs accompanied by, and I can't believe they found someone more annoying than Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, um, careful. Careful. Uh, <laughs> it's Ozzy Osbourne and Captain Lou Albano. Although I will say, uh, I may be an Aussie fan, but I have never seen a human being look more like they were on cocaine than Ozzy Osbourne did. In the, like, I'm talking 80s wrestling. And this guy looked like he was just vibrating out there. And um, he probably was. He, he got one line in, which that, we, that was what we could ask. Of him. Yeah, it's funny. They looked like they were going to interview him off the top, but then they quickly got out of the ring. So I was like, I wonder if they were running short on time. Maybe. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Brutus Beefcaker, they're fighting for the tag team titles. I th- uh, Valentine Brutus, I believe, had them at the time. This wasn't bad. It was a little overly long. Um, I guess, yeah, they, they called themselves the Dream Team. Uh, Johnny Valiant was in their corner. Valentine and Smith go back and forth for a while. Uh, Dynamite Kid gets in, can only get a two count. He gets a snap suplex. They isolate the hammer for a while. Uh, Smith hits a big suplex for two. Beefcake finally tags in. They get some more offense. And I'm not being very descriptive because this is 80s wrestling. Yeah. There's only so many moves that exist at this point. Um, <laughs> Dynamite Kid got a couple big slaps. He managed a small package. He still can't find a way to pin. We had a long exchange of moves. These two teams go back and forth. I thought for a bit there was going to be a schmoz because the chaos starts to ensue. When Valentine is low blowed, they end up fighting to the outside, but they get back into the ring. Um, Smith power slams Valentine for two, hits a suplex for two. Then Dynamite Kid goes up on the top rope and he's just like tossed off. And Smith hits, I, I want to say, a, a Gorilla Press Slam. Yeah. Yeah. And picks up the victory this was fine yeah it was it's one of those moments in history it's the first time the the bulldogs won the tag title so it's one of those moments that stands kind of the test of time and you've oh we've all seen the ozzy osbourne the british bulldogs forever uh a million times uh and yeah i i had no problem with this one i like 13 minutes is a bit long for for the match i feel like that could have been shaved off and given to somebody else but uh Certainly nobody in this segment or in this segment of the show, because Kyle, time to go to Los Angeles. Oh, California knows how to party. <laughs> uh, but this collection of wrestlers 
knows how to wrestle. Maybe three of them do. I, there are some of this. Okay. So we'll get all, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of breeze through this because I mean, I don't have traditional notes here. So this is what I just, I'll give you my overall opinion on matches and I'll definitely open it up to, uh, to you for some, uh, for all rather, uh, Ricky steamboat defeated Hercules Hernandez in a match that went seven minutes, seven and a half minutes. Uh, I actually kind of enjoyed this match. I wasn't expecting anything out of Hercules Hernandez, but I feel like he had some good fire. Uh, he's doing the God's work. Yes, yes, definitely. Like Ricky Steamboat is the worker in this match, and certainly uh, the crowd was—he was over as all fuck in this match. Holy yeah. crap! Like wow. Um, but yeah, needless to say, I was actually pleasantly surprised by the match itself. Uh, I thought that these guys worked well together. It would have been way better if it was Bret Hart. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um. But as it stands, this match was there, and it was the opener on the LA card, and I think that they they got the crowd pretty hot for it. Yeah, for sure. I think they did their job. I agree. Up next, Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart against Uncle Elmer. Kyle, if Uncle Elmer isn't the... (laughs) if, If Uncle Elmer isn't the closest rendition to Farmer Perry, I don't know what is. We'll talk about that in a later edition of uh, something on Wednesday Night Wall, but uh, we'll leave that for now. Um, this was the hardest three minutes to watch, I think, on the entire show. <laughs> uh, it was. It really was. I don't know what Adrian Adonis's character was. I could not figure him out. I don't know if he was a man who thought he was a woman. I don't know if he was just a man in drag. Uh, Jimmy Hart didn't make it any easier to figure out. Um, and uncle Elmer was as standard a farmer as you can get. Like, uh, this guy fell down from throwing a punch. Like, I don't know if you caught that, but he threw a punch at Adrian Adonis and it it was such a, a, such a powerful punch. He knocked himself over. (laughs) This match sucked. This match sucked. Uncle El or sorry. Adrian Adonis went over in three minutes and one second. Thank God it didn't go any longer. It could have gone less. Um, Terry Funk yeah, and they Hoss. Given the, they could have given those extra couple minutes to the women. Yeah, they could have. They could. Have. If Moolah wasn't such a terrible person, I, I, I yeah. feel like uh, oh, yeah. I agree. Um, Terry Funk and Hoss Funk are up against Tito Santana <laughs> and the Junkyard Dog. I don't. I don't have a problem with the Funk Brothers, really. Like they're old no. school wrestlers. Like and Tito Santana's fantastic. The Junkyard oh, Dog Tito had Santana's his moments. Great wrestler. Uh, Junkyard Dog's fine. Yeah. Like, so this was, but it just felt disjointed the whole match. It went long. Like this was the third long, the third longest match on this card on all three. I don't know if I've events. seen a match that had Jimmy Hart involved that I've enjoyed. Yeah. I just, uh, the character is annoying to the millionth degree. Um, and the Funk brothers went over, uh, defeating Tito Santana and the junkyard dog. I assume there must've been a tag team, strong tag team run for these guys at some point. I know that uh, Jesse Ventura was putting them over strong on commentary. Oh, we should note the commentary team at this point was Jesse Ventura, uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, and Alvira, which was a mess. And we'll get into the main event, Kyle, because I've got more to say about this than any anything else on this card. Please, uh, by Hulk, all means, man. Hulk Hogan up against King Kong Bundy in a steel cage. Bundy's accompanied by the very broken neck Bobby Heenan. Um, this match went 10 minutes and I'm going to say this 
This is an unpopular opinion, but uh, this match was not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Uh, King Kong Bundy was, I think, mobile and always look his his splashes always look fairly devastating. I know that's all he was doing. I get that. I get that that he, all he was doing was splashing Hogan, whether it was in the corner, ground, whatever. But I feel like he was at least mobile enough to keep this match at a fairly quick pace for two guys who you would not expect to have a quick pace. It did break down into some Hulk Hogan rest holds. And certainly once Bundy did color, which I thought he did fantastic color. I, I, I was not, I do not remember this match, including blood. So when Bundy got busted open, I was like, all right, well, we got something at least. So there um, were a few, like a few things about this match that I will say one, I think the cage made it impossible for the crowd to see it yeah which like the crowd has to carry a hogan match yeah and this crowd just couldn't really Um, and and then like the stand if we're setting the bar as low as the rest of this la show uh set it or i wouldn't say la in particular but just the rest of the show set it yeah, this wasn't bad. Like, this certainly wasn't the worst match ever, but, like, oh, they could have found somebody better than King Kong Bundy. Yeah, and apparently they had plans for a few other people, but uh, this was history. Hulk Hogan went over by escaping the cage after uh, dropping the leg drop on Bundy. Bundy tried to get on on the other side uh, through the door. It was to no avail, though Hulk Hogan had hulked up, broken ribs and not. He climbed out of the cage. I feel like walking out would have been better for his ribs um whatever whatever yeah but the, uh, but then he he couldn't say that he ate his vitamins and said his prayers true true uh this match i think didn't offend me because it's stand like you said earlier when you were talking about his promo it's standard hulk hogan like i feel like i've seen hulk hogan in way worse matches than this yeah that's true and i will, and, I will say we've reviewed worse hulk hogan matches than absolutely this absolutely so um that is wrestlemania 2 everybody uh there's going to be a lot of plugs at the end of this show so kyle what are you going to give this show oh man unless oh sorry i do want to get into the aftermath uh after the match hulk hogan then grabbed bobby heenan threw him in the cage and beat the fuck out of this guy like this guy was bumping around like dolph ziggler like, this was insane. Like, when he threw him into that cage, Kyle, knowing now that he had a broken neck, I was like, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, like, the whole thing. So, uh, RIP to Bobby Heenan. Uh, yeah. Man, what a what a guy. Uh, yeah, Kyle, what are you going to give this show? Okay. Um, one and a half. Like, I, 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 <laughs> this... Here's the thing. If you had given me a match that I could come out of and say that I genuinely like start to finish, I could have gone higher. I just don't think that happened. No, no, definitely not. Uh, I'm, I'm with you with one and a half. I think that's a good, that's a good bear or marker for, for WrestleMania two. And hopefully WrestleMania 38 delivers a little bit better than this one does. I have um, low expectations. <laughs> I, th- I have higher expectations than this but yes but like I, but the thing about it is that i don't want to get i don't want to spend too too much time on this but it's like for me i feel like this feels like vince mcmahon 
getting the pieces together for what would become WrestleMania. But this didn't feel like WrestleMania. Well, that's the that's... way that I don't know that there's a WrestleMania after this that didn't at least have WrestleMania feel, at least for a while, right? Right, right. Like WrestleMania 3, they figure out in a big way, like, say what you will about the actual the show or the match itself between Hogan and Andre. But that feels like a clash of the Titans, best guys in the in the world, like battling it out. And you also get um, more matches where you pit um, <laughs> good workers together. Right, right, certainly. Uh, like Steamboat and Savage had a match in this show. Yeah, and that's that's obviously a great match. Um, you get a lot of that type of stuff. Whereas this just felt like it felt like a super card because all the wrestlers were here, but it didn't feel like a WrestleMania, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think too, that we, as viewers of the product also have kind of grown accustomed to what WrestleMania feels like now. So very well, this could have felt like WrestleMania in 1986, but but watching it in 2022, does not feel like wrestlemania that's the thing is like maybe just having mr t there is enough to make it feel like wrestlemania yeah but to me to me like i i there was there just felt like a an enormity of it wasn't quite there agreed fully now kyle We've given our ratings, and now it is time for me to break down the rest of the weekend because it is a busy weekend here at Wednesday Night Wallop. So before we get into our social media plugs, I'm going to give everybody the schedule. Thursday, the uh, last day of the month for March, uh, World's Funniest Podcast dropped with our episode called Live and Let Rye slash Three Nipples. Uh, we, <laughs> Jesus. This, uh, you, that is available right now. Yes, that is available right now. Go check it out. Uh, me and DK had one of the best shows we've had in a long time. If bar not, if, if not the entire time we've been doing shows, really fun show Friday, 6 PM Eastern on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Wednesday night wallop. I think I'll confirm that uh, with the social media posts. Uh, I am going to sit down. Well, I have sat down already with Jana Morrison from Astrid and Lily Save the World. Uh, we're going to talk about her career, uh, the television show that she's on, on Crave TV, CTV, Sci-Fi, and the USA Network in the States. Uh, she's a former classmate of mine, and it was a really fun interview we did a couple weeks ago, and we're going to drop that on, as a premiere on YouTube, as well as all of our audio. So, um, yeah check that out right now uh yeah check that out right now as well um we also have dropping on friday at 7 p.m the multiverse of matches uh impact is putting on their show uh we have a preview with uh our buddy ben from uh uh, down under impact he sits down with lee from perch from the top rope who we just had on my uh birthday quiz show to break down everything that's happening on that card, uh, WrestleMania weekend. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Ben is also going to cover NXT stand and deliver for us. That should drop sometime Sunday morning. Then (laughs) Kyle and I are going to sit down each night of WrestleMania, uh, view it Saturday night. We're going to record part one and we are going to wait until Tuesday to record part two. 
uh, which will also have uh, Ring of Honor, uh, Super Card of Honor information on it, as well as the Hall of Fame. And uh, I mean, Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania will have passed by that point. So we're going to talk about that too. It's yep. going to be a busy, busy show. I will not watch it, but Ryland, that's what Ryland's here. Yeah, I, I'm going to take everything in. I'm going to look like uh, somebody has sucked me of my life force by the end of the weekend. Um, with all that being said, Kyle, are you excited for WrestleMania weekend? WrestleMania is always going to be some level of excitement. Uh, there are matches on here that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think... Do I think it's going to be a good WrestleMania? Not necessarily, but I think it'll be entertaining. Yeah, certainly. And I think that the, they're going to have pretty big crowds for both nights. It's over 50,000. I think they have over 130,000 tickets sold for the entire event. So it's going to be loud. It's going to be loud. It's the Texas crowd. We got Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back. Like we've got Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, Edge versus AJ Styles, and potentially Cody. So we're uh, U.S. titles and the Intercontinental titles are not on the line. I yes, think there's a pre-show match. I think there's a pre-show match. Um, I am not seeing it, but maybe there is. Okay, well then may, I'm, I may be wrong on that. Uh, however, Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to all of our Wednesday night wallop information? Uh, or Wednesday at Wallop Shows, rather, where to find us on the social medias. Twitter, at WM Wallop. Instagram, WM Wallop. Facebook, search Wednesday at Wallop. Guess what? That's us. There's not too many Wednesday. There aren't too many impersonators out there. And if they are, we'll get them. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at KJ. That is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on Twitter? you want to find me on twitter you can find me at at r y a m sport report and i just want to quickly pull up our youtube um our youtube uh, account here just so i can give the proper uh place to find that if only it would load god this is excellent podcasting i'm so happy that rj's off this weekend uh All right, you know what? Just go to our YouTube channel. Uh, just type in Wednesday Night Wallop. You should be able to find us. Like I said, 6 p.m. Friday night, the evening show hosted by Ryland Turner with Jana Morrison. And 7 p.m., the Multiverse of Matches, which is going to be dropping on YouTube and Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good rest of your WrestleMania weekend and enjoy WrestleMania tonight. Good night. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.